Are Greg and Maya professional reviewers? Absolutely not. Like amateurs at best, but it's okay because they're funny, smart, and kind of adorable. Bless their hearts. So sit back, relax, and tune into this week's episode of All Cued Up. Hello, guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Welcome to All Queued Up, the review podcast about streaming service shows. On today's show, What If Season 2, Episode 4 of Percy Jackson, and our discussion topic, our favorite things of 2023. But first, I'm Greg. This is Maya. Maya, how's your week been? Pretty good. Uh, Yeah, pretty good. That's... Yeah, I mean, you know, it was a really low key week. I gotcha. kept to myself. I mean, but you didn't do nothing. nothing. We were in the bed before. I was in. Misty was asleep before ten. I was in the bed probably at ten thirty. <laughs> you guys are old. I was tired. I got up at four o'clock. Fuck you. <laughs> Oh shit! Well, I was like, if you want to just pass the ball, I got I got a story for about New Year's. I'll get there. I'll get there. Um, but nah, man, I, we get up early because you know where Misty works from home. They load her tasks that she can start choosing at three a.m. So a lot of times she's up by five a.m. And she's already working, you know, so she'll get up and make coffee at like four thirty, four forty five, five o'clock in the morning. And if there's coffee being brewed, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to drink said coffee because the coffee is not going to drink itself. So and Madison gets up early as fuck for school, too. So, you know, they are both usually in bed. Madison on a school night will go to bed at eight thirty at night. And she she gets up at like five in the morning, gets herself ready and everything, makes breakfast, gets a shower, gets ready and all that. But, you know, we're early risers here and I used to be a night owl, uh, but it, it's rare for me to be up past midnight anymore just because I'm usually up by five in the morning. Uh, like this morning. That. Yeah. Yeah. However. So, it's a fucking day on a calendar. It doesn't mean anything. Like, oh yeah, hey, we're going to be, this year's going to be great. Let's make these fucking traditional dishes to bring in luck and wealth and this and that. And talking about black eyed peas and Southern people, okay? Southern people. Southern people are fucking stupid. Um, you know, black-eyed peas, collard greens, fucking pork chops. Uh, you know, this is our traditional New Year's Day fucking dinner, and it's going to bring in all this shit. And, you know, the, the old year is gone, and the new year's here, and it's going to be better. It's a fucking day. A day flips on a fucking calendar. The world's still turning. Nothing magically changed overnight because you shot off some bottle rockets and fucking ate some black-eyed peas. Fuck you. All right, well, before you get back on that fucking, like, just 
nihilistic horse over there. I, <laughs> I don't look at any holiday from that perspective. There's Oh, no, no. I know you don't. Uh, I know but, you don't, but go ahead. To me, New Year's is just for fun. There's, no, I get you know, that. Like, if you're the if you're the kind of person that makes, uh, um, oh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, resolutions. You're just asking for failure. Like there's realistic, and then there's just nihilistic. And I made one New Year's resolution. Can I share it with you? Yeah. That's to eat cheese and sin. And so far, yes, yes, and it's so far been successful all three days of the year. And tomorrow's looking promising as well. Joking, but I don't make any resolutions because the problem with these is the problem with like a year is a long time for a human. Like yeah, and shit happens. Shit happens all the time. Like I wasn't one hundred percent sure at the beginning of twenty twenty three that I was going to be moving to fucking Texas. I knew it was in the, we were talking about it, but I knew it was going to happen in July. No, I didn't know. Um, there are a lot of things that can change. Like, um, you know, the year that my dad had to go into dialysis. I didn't fucking know that was going to happen. Like, yeah. we, we knew it was coming up, but we didn't know when. There are so many things that can change. So many things that can, can, can come about in a year. To sit there and say, like, if you go, I, I want to start writing that book that I've had in my mind in the next year. Great, because what you're doing is that is a realistic fucking thing that you want to do. Yeah. Um, but you're not sitting there saying like, like you're not sitting there saying like I, I th- like you're not setting yourself up for failure. I want to do this thing within the next year, and then that's another thing. I mean, if you really want to break it down, uh, humans consisting their entire lives based on a calendar and time and a time frame is the weirdest shit when you really think about it because it's a human concept to begin with it is a it is a current this small moment in fucking in the cosmos time frame that the humans put on like why does that specific day mean a new year cycle like like what exactly constitutes that we just did that because it was easier to keep track of shit and yeah. so to celebrate it is in itself an odd thing. However, I look at most holidays, not every single one of them, most holidays as just for fun. Just just a cool little thing. Like I was explaining to my brother a while back that when you look at Christmas, I myself consider myself an atheist. I don't believe in a God. I don't believe in any God. I, I think that supernatural shit doesn't exist. So we celebrate... Same. We celebrate Christmas for fun. We, it's, it is our winter, winter solstice celebration. Every civilization since the beginning of fucking intelligent man has had a winter solstice, a autumn, a, a, a spring, a summer celebration for whatever fucking reason. And it's, it's just for fun. To me, celebrating the new year is no different than watching fucking sports or watching a movie. It's entertaining. It passes the time while our fucking world falls apart. You know, like we're sitting over here enjoying our time and trying to forget that, you know, the Gaza Strip was just labeled as clans. We're trying to forget that there's a goddamn lunatic fascist who's trying to run for president. We're trying to forget that stuff because if we only focus on that, we become miserable, miserable that we then become desensitized and nothing fucking matters. And we become overly nihilistic. So I, 
will choose all the time to do something that's going to distract me for a little bit of time. And if that was, you know, whatever it may be, whatever holiday, that's how I'm going to view it. You need to have that little bit of joy in your life to not fucking fully lose your mind. Here. No, I, I get that completely. And I, I agree to that. You know, uh, I just, there are people who believe that if they eat I know. a specific meal, they're, they're superstitious and they think they have to have these superstitions and don't get me wrong. There's superstitions everywhere. I mean, there's superstitions in sports like baseball, for instance, you've seen rally caps, right? You're familiar with the rally cap. I'm familiar with a ton of sports superstitions, but yes. Okay. Yeah. It's all dumb. Superstitions are dumb. I call them uh, stupid stitions for a long fucking time. And I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> well, like, you're not no, it's, wrong. It's, it's this thing of like, uh, uh, you know, when I use, when I've played game night with the, with the guys and we're playing a game where we're playing an online competitive shooter or something to that effect. Um, you know, we'll say something uh, in lieu of like, well, we're going to win this one. Oh, this is my worst level or something like that. Uh, there's a thing called the jinx. Jinxes don't fucking exist. No. Uh, the best that you can do to explain a quote unquote jinx is uh, um, you're, you're playing mind games with yourself. Yeah. You're psyching yourself out is what it is. Uh but um, people fully believe in them. People fully think that they're real and will do whatever they can. I watched an entire Super Bowl game. An entire Super Bowl game. There was a chair I was sitting on. Right? It was the it was the Niners versus. It was dude. It was like in the. So, uh, is that the night that Andy pissed himself drunk on the stairs? No, no, no. That was oh. It was it was the Super Bowl that the Niners were in before that. Mm. Uh, doesn't matter. We lost both of them. But um, so what ended up happening was there was a chair I was sitting in. The Niners scored. I got up from that chair to get more snacks and a, and a beer. We got scored on. I sat down. The Niners scored. The entire fucking house. Everybody was like, Greg doesn't get the fuck up. I had four people asking me constantly. Hey, do you want anything? Because you're not getting out of that fucking chair. <laughs> Thinking that you were the good luck charm that was making them score just yep. because you sat down in a certain spot. Trust me, I know. My grandmother was highly superstitious. Love her to death. Um, miss her every day. She was awesome. But one of the she had an unnatural fear of cats. <laughs> now, she says... You know, there's an old wives' tale that a cat will steal a baby's breath. So when she was a little girl, she said she woke up with the cat on top of her with its paws in her mouth. She's like, the cat was trying to kill me, and she was scared of cats to her dying day. Now, my grandmother was a heavy snorer, and most likely what had happened, she was probably snoring with her mouth open, and the cat was fucking trying to shut her the fuck up. That's my theory. Um, you know, uh, definitely also more. Do weird shit. There's that they, they also do weird shit, but I'm sorry. If I sit here and I hung up, you know, hung out with my mouth open and my tongue hanging out, one of my cats would probably smack it. 
like, oh, what's this? A new toy. <laughs> so she had an unnatural fear of cats, but black cats especially. She think she was adamant they were bad luck. And we were coming home from somewhere one night. It was dark. I was driving home. We're getting ready to turn into our subdivision. Now, we lived on the first side street, not even a quarter of a mile into the subdivision. Getting ready to, you know, cut up from the road into the subdivision and a black cat runs out of a yard and across the road. And she's like, stop, turn around, go in the back way. I'm like, what? She's like, a black cat just ran across the road. Go the back way. So I, and I'm like, well, you know, I'll let you drive the back way, but the house is right there. I'm just going to walk the f- f- 400 yards to the house. And she's like, you know, I can't see to drive at night. Turn around, drive in the back way. And I was like, God damn it. So I turn around, drive four miles out of my way to go in the back way of the subdivision and then, you know, get to the house. And I I tell her once we get in the garage, I was like, what if that cat ran across our driveway? You didn't see that. She's like, oh, God. I was like, you going to make me go in the back door of the house now? You know, just just giving her a hard time. But, you know, that's how... Staunchly, she believed that in in bad luck and superstitions and things like that. And it's, I've always found it ridiculous. And I really had to pee. <laughs> I was like, "Damn it!" No, I mean, but I don't, I don't disagree with you that there's a lot of weird superstitions out there. And you know, when when I look at when I look at holidays or whatever we're fucking celebrating, I don't, I, I personally don't ever put superstitions on it. Um, I'm just like, yay, drinking and, and fireworks or whatever the fuck we're doing. No, no, I get that. that and that stuff's fun. Um, but there's, it's also fine if you didn't do anything. Like I think people put this context that they have to do something on a on a on a holiday, and I'm like, you don't have to do anything. No, God no. Uh, and you know, I I enjoy certain holidays. Other holidays, I don't give a fuck about. You know, I even, I we don't. New Year's a holiday, but people do take it off. So it's technically a federal holiday. I know. You know, it, but uh. But, you know, we don't, like, yeah, we do Christmas, but we're not, like, all out. Yeah, our tree's still up, probably coming down today. I was like, is that just because of laziness, or is it just because you like the look of it? Well, I do. It's a pretty tree. We put it up the Friday after Thanksgiving, and we... I'm not one for tradition, but traditionally, we leave it up until New Year's Day. But, you know, it's also, like, pretty and, you know. But it's probably coming down today. Madison goes back to school tomorrow, so there's no use in having it up anymore. I remember one year I had my tree up until March because I had an iguana. And his favorite thing to do was to climb up the tree and nestle on the top and rest looking over over the top of the tree. I had to leave that tree up until fucking March for him. (laughs) 
And when I took it down, he was mad. And he chased me and swarped, swarped his tail around after me and trying to bite me, clawing. I was like, I had to put the tree up. It was time. He was pissed. <laughs> he was a moody son of a bitch, man. When you get a four and a half foot long iguana with a fucking tail that's, you know, as long as half of his body. Yeah. The thing will bring the blood. <laughs> but anyway, enough about that. So tell me about your New Year's story. You said you had a New Year's story. Yeah, it's sort of a story. So um, this is... Even even Jeff, who's lived here since he because he came here in, in the end of January, early February, something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he was like, he was all excited about celebrating New Year's in Texas because he knows that Texas laws when it comes to fireworks are a lot more lax than California. So <laughs> he comes home with this big like, you know, those those pre-selected things of fireworks. Yeah, yeah, you get an assortment. Yeah, uh, you know, like a hundred bucks, and you can get like. Five or six things that go flash and boom. Yeah, exactly. So he, he went and bought that, but he also bought he bought one that had Roman candles. I've never fired off a Roman candle. Oh, uh, well, they're illegal in Texas or in California. Um, so uh, and I've never been out of state during a time where they're selling fireworks, and no one like. But I have fired off illegal fireworks in my life multiple fucking times. Never Roman candle. So. I, I don't have an answer for that. But um, uh, the day before New Year's, so it was the 30th, um, Jeff goes, do you want to fire off a couple of Roman candles in the backyard? And I was like, yeah, let's go do it. So uh, it was really funny because beforehand I'd, we'd watched this video of an old lady I don't know how old she was to be exact, but she was old enough to wear like a Roman candle scared her every fucking time it fired off around. Mm-hmm. Like every time, every time a, a, a fiery piece of whatever pop out of it, she'd go, oh, oh, every fucking time. It was hilarious. So I go in the backyard and I'm every time it fire off, I'd make that noise. And Jeff, Jeff is cracking up and I'm like, okay, hot, whatever. The joke was fine. And then Jeff goes, oh, let's go scare the shit out of mom. I'm going to fire off one right next to the kitchen window. And I was like, all right. So I walk over there. I start to film it. Three get fired off. And he fucking points the thing right at me. One bounces off my stomach. I don't know if I have the bruise. No, it's gone. Um, it would hit like a paintball from a distance. Yeah. Like if he hit me with a paintball from that close, it'd be a hell of a lot worse. But it was like. If I was 50 yards out and he still tagged me with a paintball, this is what it felt like. And uh, so I start to run away. And um, uh, one goes on, like, it's on my shirt. I would say a solid six inches from my armpit. And I look down and I can see it. So my knee-jerk reaction is to get it off of me as quickly as possible because I know that it's a fiery ball of hot. And I bring my elbow in to shrub it off, to, like, wipe it off. It gets stuck to my skin. Like, right next to my elbow. Um, I don't notice it. I just wipe really quick on my, on my shirt. 
it it goes away pretty quickly, but it stuck to my skin. Yeah, yeah. He continues to fire a few at me. One goes right past my head, and uh, I'm like, I'm like, dude, what the fuck? And he's fucking dying. He's cracking up. Now, in his defense, he had no idea I was, I was, I got burnt. Yeah, yeah. Um, we then discover that my phone didn't record any of it. Weirdly enough. I don't know how or why. I remember hitting record, but something happened in that process where it just deleted the video or didn't like it didn't further record. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so he's all pissed off about that. I then then I feel the burn on my arm, and I bring him out. I'm like, "What the fuck?" And we look at it. We're like, "Holy shit, Greg!" So go inside. My dad's like, "That's a second degree burn. That's bad." And I'm like, "It fucking kills right now." And mm-hmm. Jeff, Jeff starts apologizing up and down. He feels so bad. We look at my shirt and he's put a hole in my shirt. It's a good shirt too. One of my like newer shirts. Yeah. So he's like, I'm going to replace the shirt. I'm really fucking sorry. Like I didn't, I didn't know that was going to happen. Now I'm not one to hold a grudge or to be pissed off. I'm like, hey, Jeff shit happens. I know what you were trying to do. In my mind, I'm like, dude, really? We're fucking, like, I'm 40, you're 37. What are we doing? And, uh, like, I didn't have a problem with the idea of wearing a long sleeve shirt and pants and from a distance from one another, firing off Roman candles at each other. And I have a problem with that. Because I, I know that, like, I can see it and I can sort of dodge it, which we did do New Year's night. I have the video of that. Uh, but um, I'm in a fucking ton of, like, it hurts like a motherfucker. So, of course, I take some painkillers and we put a, we put some. Uh, Antiseptics, topical ointments. Yeah, and then we bandage it. Um, here, I'm going to send you. Because I took a picture of it last night. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Hurts. Hurts like a bitch. Yeah. Uh, um, but New Year's night, we had, like, he the, we fired off a lot of the, the, the fireworks in the fire pit that he had made earlier in the year and uh because the owners before us had a pool in that spot that i've shown you the picture of shit you knew about the pool because it got blown away by that storm yeah um yeah he went and and built that fire pit with mom and uh because there was a lot of those particular bricks like around the pool but anyway fire off the, the the fireworks and that thing uh, we then go out into the fucking yard in the distance. I'll send you that video later. But we are, you know, firing at each other with with uh, Roman candles. It was it was funny. It wasn't anything big, but he had intended for us to use these bigger uh, Roman candles. So that pack he bought had like s- smaller Roman candles, but this other pack he had had these like they were about three times bigger in girthiness than the other one. And we were going to use those since they were more, uh, they had a solid color. So I picked mm-hmm. purple, he picked red. We were going to pretend to be Jedi or, or NSF, whatever. 
we go in the backyard to, to that night to fire one off to see, you know, like how far it would go. <laughs> it it flies out of there, hits a certain distance, and explodes. Yeah. And I go, Jeff fires them all off, and I went, hey, we're not going to use the ballistics to fire at each other. Is that cool? And he starts laughing. He's like, absolutely. <laughs> he goes, I had no idea they were going to explode. I was like, yeah, no, I'm not I'm not standing on the other end of that. <laughs> he's like, no. me neither. No, that's how you lose a lot appendages and mm-hmm. eyes and shit. Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was interesting. But the other thing is, uh, I've never fired a gun in my life. Never. And it's not from lack of wanting to or whatever it was. It's like for anybody thinking that it's, it's literally because every time someone has said, I'll take you to the range or I'll take you to a field or something like that. It never happens. Never fucking happens. Well, uh, uh, Jeff has a, he has a, an assortment of guns. And my dad has uh, a a gun of his own. My dad has one gun. My dad had a bunch of guns, but they were getting older. There were more antiques at that point. And he he gave them to my cousin. And my cousin lives in Idaho. So Jeff's all pissed. He's like, oh, could have given those to me. Dad's like, I don't fucking know. I did this years ago. Anyway, uh, um... Jeff goes, Greg, do you want to fire my Glock? You just fire, fire it towards the ground. And I was like, yeah, yeah I'll give it a shot. So I I, uh, I fired one round. The uh, gun has more kick than I thought. Oh, yeah. I knew it was going to have kick, but like the way that it feels is different than I thought it was going to feel. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Having fired a gun before, yes, I yeah. understand exactly what you're saying. Uh, I wouldn't say I love firing a gun. But I am interested in firing at a target, so I will cross that bridge eventually, I guess. But uh, later in the night, my dad brings out his gun. His is an early 1900s six-shooter. <laughs> but this particular gun is not designed, is designed to have as little kick as possible. Yeah. And so it had less, way less kick than that Glock. And... Uh, um, I fired off quite a few rounds from that one. Uh, but I did record a video of me shooting. Did I send you that video, Maya? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you filming Dutch? <laughs> <laughs> I had fun with that. Oh, Marshall Morgan, this is jackass. <laughs> <laughs> so that quote itself does not come from Red Dead Redemption 2, obviously. I am quoting, I'm, I'm using the voices, but there's a guy on, on Twitch named, um, Oh, I can't think of his fucking name, but he modded out uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 and did a bunch of videos where they were doing jackass-style stunts in-game, and he would be doing the voice of Arthur Morgan. That's crazy. Be, you ready, Dutch? <laughs> and then do Dutch's voice like, yeah, I'm ready. But, um, but yeah, that was that was fun. I'm not gonna say it wasn't fun, but it was fun. I you know the, the fireworks were fireworks. Like there's a few that you couldn't get in California, like anything that fires into the air and explodes. Nah, it doesn't exist in California unless it's professional. Yeah. Uh, so there was a lot of that in that pack. Um, oh yeah. It's, a it's lot of those packs are like that. Well, that's that's what's interesting is that a lot of the fireworks in that pack, a lot of them 
you cannot find in California, period. Mm-hmm. And so it was wild to, to see that just in like a standard. Country. And then neighbors had bigger sky explosives. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the neighbor across the street fired off a couple above the houses. I was like, what the fuck? The sky, like the sky. Here's a good thing though. I want to tell you a good thing. Our house is so is so well soundproof that our dog Scarlet did not freak the fuck out. That's great. She normally does. Like we could hear him going off all fucking night. All night. She's just like, What are we doing, guys? What are we doing? Like she stayed in my mom's room during the fireworks, but it's essentially like the equivalent of maybe, you know, hearing popcorn pop in the kitchen or something. Yeah. My mom did crack me up, though, because when we got back inside, she goes to make uh, Scarlet's dinner. Because she, she hand makes it. It's all like, it's like corn, rice, chicken. And uh, she goes to make her dinner and puts it on the ground for her. And he goes, all right, Scarlet, come here and eat. And so Scarlet comes over and she's kind of sniffing at her bowl. And mom looks at me and goes, I'm, I'm Greg. And she has like one of those the, the poppers you throw at the ground to scare somebody. Yeah. And she goes, I'm going to scare, I'm going to scare Jeff. And like throws it down right fucking next to Scarlet as Scarlet's trying to eat. <laughs> and Scarlet tears the fuck off. Jeff doesn't jump and just goes, you just fucked over Scarlet. <laughs> And I'm dying. Mom's like, oh, I didn't mean to do that. And I went, Mom, you just told Scarlet food's available and then scared the shit out of her. <laughs> it's almost like you went, here you go, Scarlet. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> so that fucking, that, I lost my shit on that one. But uh, but yeah, then like we, we went back inside and we were waiting for the, the countdown. And we're all in our, we're in our individual rooms just doing nothing. Just chilling because we're like, oh, we got like four hours before New Year's as we did those fireworks early. Um, my dad passes the fuck out at like 930. Uh, we go back out in the living room. I saw it 30 minutes before the countdown. Um, and like, I'm not joking. On screen, it's, it's like 25 seconds till midnight. And mom's like, let's do some shots. Let's do a shot at, at, at the countdown. So Jeff rushes over and is like trying to pour shots as I'm sitting there going 15, 14, 13. <laughs> and he's just scrambling. It was fucking cracking me up. But my mom ended up doing three shots that night. I was like, and she doesn't drink. So I was like, okay, goddamn. Goddamn, mom. Which, <laughs> I'm going to be honest, she she shouldn't drink. With the medications yeah. she has, like, that's. No, no, I, I get it. But it was, it was a special occasion, so I was like, okay, well, all right, fine. Um, but then that was it, and then the next day, I you know, did Dad's dialysis, and did his dialysis again yesterday, as of recording this. But he had gone two days without, because we were doing stuff Saturday, and then, of course, New Year's. So the session, session on Monday, he was like, I expected him to be way overweight, like, he had drank too much, ate too much, so his body just put on a bunch of weight. Yeah. But, uh, no, he did a really good job of limiting himself, so he didn't gain that much at all. Outstanding. Yeah. He's getting a lot better at it. It's There are days where, like yesterday, for example, when he goes under his target weight, um, the session itself will give him really nasty leg cramps. Mm. 
like at the end of session he's just like his body is his his legs are like hey so you've taken off a lot more than you should have and i'm in a lot of fuck i'm just gonna cramp up so it's something that we have to monitor but uh i would prefer him to have a little bit of cramping issue at the end of session but it, it depresses him when he goes through that kind of pain, he's just in this like funk for the rest of the night. I understand that. Yeah, I do too. Try to get him. Try to get him out of that funk, though. It's not easy. But yeah, that was that's pretty much all that happened. I mean, it's um, the rest of the week was mundane. Been playing a lot of fucking Boulder's Gate three, but not on my own. It's like every night I'm playing Baldur's Gate 3 in one of the three campaigns that I'm a part of. Jesus. Yeah, there's there's one that we do where it's Mark, Andy, and I. And we're a uh, tiefling monk, which I'm I'm rethinking the tiefling part, but whatever. Um, just because I think a monk is... Because I originally had picked a, a tiefling... Um, uh, sorcerer but i just wasn't having fun with sorcerer so you can pay 200 coin and respect so i respect into a monk and i've been really digging it but i'm thinking of monks are fun oh yeah i'm 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 digging the, the 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 capabilities of the monk but i'm thinking the tiefling part is my problem but i could be wrong about that so Well, with a monkey, you want a high dexterity, high constitution. And a tiefling, I... Oh, you do? Okay. I don't know. Um, The way that Baldur's Gate 3 works is that it it plays to the sensibilities of someone who doesn't play D&D or doesn't play D&D enough. Mm -hmm. So when you go to spec your class, it goes, here's your recommended for the best capabilities of this class. Uh, Okay. You can readjust any of that that you want, though. Anyway. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so it's it's it is what it is. Um. But uh, speaking of uh, games, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I did win the third place trophy in my fantasy football league. That's okay. What sucks is, you know, the I told you about the champion, the semifinal matchup last week, right? Like, I was, I had one player left. I was down 20 some points. I needed 20 something to win. And his only player left on his bench was Josh Jacobs. 10 minutes before the game, he fucking substitutes in fucking, uh, the Raiders number three running back and got 2.2 points total for the performance. And he won by 1.34 points. I would have won. I would have won. I was bitter about that. I won my third place game, the third place trophy game. I won it by like 30 some points. And I scored outscored the, the two teams that played for the championship. They finished one guy finished 0.6 points ahead of the other guy that beat me. So the second place seed, or the second seed won the championship. He beat the first seed. I was the fifth seed, but I won third place. But I outscored both of them by like 40 fucking points. 
I'm like, I should be this league fucking champion. God damn it. <laughs> I won, though, so, you know, another third-place finish. It's like my sixth third-place finish in the past seven years in that league. I just can't win the championship. Every year, I'm placing third. I'm like, son of a bitch. Which is funny because the running joke for the past three years now is like, you know, if I actually do manage to break through and win the, it's called the Manly Cup. If I actually break through and win it for the first time, they're going to have to change it to the Womanly Cup. And I was so wanting to do that. (laughs) But yeah. Yeah. It's been an interesting football season, I can tell you that. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was that was uh, was part of the part of that Sunday going into New Year's was the the fact the Niners clinched the number one seed and the Raiders were eliminated. And it was like, oh, this. Well, the Raiders technically haven't been eliminated, eliminated, but they're all but eliminated. They got like a less than a one percent chance to make it. They have to win their game and get lots of help. But if they beat Denver, they can finish the league second in their league standings still. Interesting. I did not know that. Because everything I've been reading is saying uh, they're eliminated. No. They're they're all but, you may as well say. But, you know, I don't have high hopes. Yeah, I think you guys finished off the season better than you think, and I think next season's going to be better for the Raiders by a fucking lot. Depends on the off-season moves. Lots of fucking variables. But it can't be worse than what this year started out as. Yeah. And what, and what last year was. That's true. Well, we, anyway, yeah, I was like, why don't we had move on to the first topic that we're going to talk about, or the first thing we're going to talk about today, which is uh, our favorite things of 2023. Sure, sure. Where do you want to start? Um, I have a list. It's longer than I intended it to be. So I'll just, uh, um, I'll just pull one up here. Um, uh, Mario Wonder, Super Mario Brothers Wonder. Uh, oh okay, yeah. It was it was uh, it's it's a fucking ton of fun. Like if you're a big fan of Mario, it's a it's a great goddamn time. It feels like classic Mario, but also new. Um, but my favorite thing about the game is the music and the art design. Like Mario himself looks like a little bit of claymation. Like, do you remember that first Nintendo Power cover? Yes. It, yes, I owned it for years, many years. The the style of Mario in that game reminds me of that big time. So I uh, is easily like one of my favorite games of twenty twenty three. Hell yeah! Your turn. Oh, we're alternating. You bet. Oh. Uh. Well, one of my favorite games of the year. Uh, let's see. I had several on this list of favorite games of the year. Uh, Sea of Stars is my favorite indie slash RPG game of the year. Um, it's fucking phenomenal. Uh, charming, has a lot of heart, uh, a lot of character. You know, it was available free to play 
from day one for PlayStation Plus users uh, for the month of what? What was it, October? I think so, yeah. It was also on Game Pass just for anyone to see. And it was on Game Pass. But, you know, normal price uh, is nineteen ninety nine. I think. I thought it was twenty nine, but... Maybe it's twenty nine ninety nine. I don't know. I just know I didn't have to pay for it, and it was fucking one of my favorite games of the year. It's great. Yeah. See, this is why I wanted to alternate, because that's on my list, too, so. Go ahead. Um, well, I'm going to move on to uh, to movies, just because Oh, I, I didn't get to personally play a lot of games. I got to watch a lot of new games. I didn't personally get to play them. I played a lot of games. Didn't watch a lot of movies. Well, you also played a lot of games that didn't come out in 2023, so I'm sure that you're going to say those as well, which is fine. Um, but, uh, yeah, you tend to play a lot of games that came out in previous years. Yeah, it's called Backlog. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've been on a real Star Ocean kick here lately. Um. So I'm just going to kind of speed run the movies I have here. Not talk about them too long, just kind of say them and be like, it was great. Um, so Cocaine Bear, fucking hilarious, gory, awesome. I forgot uh, that I watched that. Loved it. Oh, yeah. That's I agree. Yeah. Yeah, because it was uh, on Peacock. That's right. Um, John Wick 4. If you're a fan of the John Wick series, 4 is a great fucking send-off to the John Wick character. Um, I don't know what we're going to get from that universe going forward, but I'm excited. Uh, D&D Honor Amongst Thieves. I really fucking enjoyed that movie. I know that you weren't a big fan of it, but I loved it. Um, but I also think that you didn't like it due to the context, considering what had happened with D&D earlier in the year. So, what, what what was that? I missed that. I'm sorry, because I was distracted. I apologize. Right. I, I just I saw a horrible thing. Apparently, there's... I don't want to get into it on air, because I have to read up more on it. Something about a ban for pit bulls in the UK that went into effect today. Oh, shit. And they're putting dogs down. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, it just I don't know what's going on. I just saw it and don't want to read into it right now. But yeah, that distracted me, so I missed something about the OGL. Um, yeah. Well, I was gonna say that D and D Honor Amongst Thieves. I really fucking love that. I love that movie. Like it was so much fun, and I know that you didn't enjoy it because <clears throat> no. either either you just didn't enjoy the movie because it was funny. Like, it it was a funny movie. I don't know, but I remember you not enjoying it. No, Misty and I both did not like that movie whatsoever. Uh, we watched it. Um, when the trailer dropped for it a year and a half ago, I was like, you know, that looks like it could be fun. I'm excited. The dragon looks great, you know. Uh, and then the OGL scandal happened, and... You know, they hit 
the company with layoffs in January of last year, 800 people laid off. And then in two weeks before Christmas this past year, lay off another 1,100 people. And I'm just like, ah, fucking Hasbro. You know, I hate corporations, but I, I tried to get into the movie and I just did not like it from the get-go. I didn't like any of the casting. Uh, I didn't like the script. I didn't like the, you know, I didn't like the humor because the humor felt forced. It didn't feel organic to me. Uh, when we play, we make a lot of jokes. Mm-hmm. I make a lot of jokes. We make some funny fucking jokes. We're always laughing. But it's organic. It doesn't feel forced, you know, most of the time. This just felt so forced and phony. I don't know. Maybe it was to do with the casting. Maybe it was to do with, you know... Um, to me, to me, the only actor in it that felt that way to me was Chris Pine. Everybody, yes, everyone else. But he's the main character. Um, yes and no. Well, I mean, he's he is he is the main protagonist, but he's not I, the only protagonist. Here's but. why I don't agree with that with that statement of being like the main protagonist because all the characters that he ends up partying with are all the main characters. They're all the 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 players within that D and D campaign. Um, no, I get it. The only one that I get your one, point. The only party member that isn't another player is the paladin, because <laughs> that paladin is entirely a DM played NPC. How do how do I figure that? The way every character talks and interacts and has their their choices throughout the movie is a hundred percent player based. The way that they just hold themselves is player based, but that paladin spoke like a DM playing a character that teams up with the characters. They even kind of play a riff on it later in the movie. The sad thing is the Paladin was my favorite character out of all of them. <laughs> Shocking. Shocking, Madam DM. I have been a DM for over 20 years, so. Yeah. The last time I actually got to play as a player... It's been over a decade, so you know. It's just I, I, I personally loved the movie. I thought it was a lot of fucking fun. Is it perfect? No, but I, I wasn't expecting perfect. I was expecting funny and entertaining, and that's what I got. So, um, anyway, moving on to my favorite movies of the year: uh, Super Mario Brothers movie. I still need to watch that. Very entertaining. They did a great job with it. It's it's one of those things where it's like when you have so many bad adaptations of video games and then you have like a series of good ones, you highlight those good ones. Or at least I tried to. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 was fucking fantastic. Mm. Great send-off to the characters. Um, <laughs> Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Fucking watched that movie like three fucking times now. Cannot wait for the fucking third one beyond the Spider Verse. Um, <laughs> the horror movie, The Blackening. Uh, that movie is fucking hilarious. I don't know if you know what which one that is, Maya, but no, I'm not. I'm not familiar. No, it's a horror comedy 
that takes the idea of how when um, uh, in horror movies how black people are like either the first to die or their token or whatever like that. It's well, what if what if it was a horror scenario with all black people? How would that play out? And the movie plays with that that joke quite a bit, um, even to the the the, uh, the 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 idea that all the characters kind of know they're in that scenario. It's 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 fucking hilarious. I loved it. Um. And then I have the Netflix original Nimona. If you haven't had a chance to watch that, it's very fucking good. Very fucking good. All I'm the not characters. familiar with that one either. It's based off of a of a of a um, not a young adult novel. It might be a young adult novel, but it's based off a novel. And the the general idea is that there's a kingdom, um, that never progresses past the idea of being medieval, but it's even in like a future beyond our future. Like, let's say it's the year 2200, but everything still has a strong medieval edge to it. So it's like future medieval. It's cool. It's really fun. It's a cool fucking concept. Um, but Nimona is a character that is a, yeah, she's a, it never quite explains what she is or where she came from, but she is a shapeshifter that's always try to find her place in the world. And, uh, well, I don't want to spoil it because I want you to see it. Okay. It's very, well, I'll watch a trailer for it. I was like, I think you genuinely would really like it because the message to me is about, um, being accepted no matter what you look like. Mm-hmm. So to catch my drift on that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Barbie and Oppenheimer, you got to put them together. I thoroughly, like, we've had that conversation. I fucking loved Barbie. It had a, it's okay. It had a great fucking message, especially for young girls. Um, a great message to guys who maybe are, you know, in, in, in a place of, I, I feel like no one gives a shit about me kind of idea. Um, or like. I'm only made for one purpose. It's like, no, you're not. You're absolutely fucking not. The movie says it multiple times. Um, so yeah, big, big fucking fan. And then Oppenheimer is a great depiction of, uh, um, what happened because of world war two mainly. And, and how that, hasn't had an effect on America and an effect on anybody that was in that particular line of work. It's, it's a really, really neat fucking movie. But then alternatively, you have my next movie on my list, which is Godzilla minus one, which is the opposite end of that. So Oppenheimer is a biopic about Oppenheimer making the bomb that killed thousands of, of, of Japanese people. Um, I don't know if it's millions, but it's definitely a fucking huge number. Um, and then, alternatively, you have uh, Godzilla Minus One, which is... So, at the end of World War II, because of everything that happened, Japan's economic status was at zero. Well, because of Godzilla in this movie, their economic status went to minus one. 
That's why it's I called get Good, you. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, that's that's where that title comes from. But the movie is about a guy essentially going through survivor's guilt. Godzilla in this movie is a representation of survivor's guilt. And uh, I know that you aren't a big fucking kaiju fan. I don't know why I said fucking on that, but I know you're not a big kaiju fan. But I, when this movie comes to any kind of streaming service and you're able to watch it, I cannot recommend it higher. You don't have to watch any other Godzilla movie other than this one. Okay. I have never cried at the end of a Godzilla movie. Until now. So. Um, last two movies on my list are uh, TMNT, Mutant Mayhem. That was I fu- good. fucking loved it. Uh, I enjoyed it a lot. And then the last movie on my list is Strays. Starring Jamie Foxx and, and Will Ferrell as dogs. Yeah, yeah, I've not seen it. That shit is... But I hear it's hilarious. It's so fucking funny. <clears throat> but um, I do have shows on my list, but I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a turn to list off some shit. Oh. Uh, well, I, you know, some, I didn't watch a lot of movies. Uh, I just didn't. Well, you can list off whatever. You know, it doesn't have to be movies. Um, You know, I did watch a couple of the ones that you watched, and... You know, out of the four, I think you had on your list two of them I really enjoyed, two of them I didn't so much, and you know my feelings on those. Uh, as for games that I played, let's see, uh, some of my favorite games, of course, you know, um, Star Wars Jedi Survivor was fucking phenomenal. I was like, that was on my list too. Uh, Marvel Spider Man Two was fucking phenomenal. It was on my list as well. No, I didn't fucking play, loved it. it. Fucking loved it. Uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, really enjoyed this year's uh, Major League Baseball the show. I thought it was fucking great. Uh, I think I put more hours into that game than any other game this year, <laughs> uh, which is saying a lot. Because apparently my state of play, end of year state of play, in mid-December, I'd had like just three hours shy of 3,000 hours spent in gaming. My God, Maya. My yeah. God. Yeah. <clears throat> hey, I like to escape from reality. That's just a lot, I, uh. No, it's it's a lot. I agree. I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing that this year. <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, I'm really struggling. With, I was struggling coming up with favorite things of 2023. I mean, my favorite thing that happened is we moved. You know, uh-huh. because this time last year, our rent went from being four ninety nine a month to seven hundred and three a month. Like on January first, it went up, yeah. and you know, we started looking for a place to live in January of last year, and we struggled, and we struggled. It was like because. You know, Misty makes 
decent money for where we live, for our cost of living. I'm on a fixed income. I get Social Security. And the the house that we're in now, like, if it didn't come along, we probably would have been homeless. Or at the very least, we would have had to cut back on so many things monthly. You know, I would have had to cut out so much, you know, on a monthly basis that, I mean, we wouldn't have been able to do a podcast. Yeah. That's that's how bad it got. Uh, we, we were struggling. And so when we moved in at the end of July and into here, it's been a, it's, it's been life changing in the best of ways. Yeah. You know, right now, holiday times for her job sucks. The past two weeks has been shitty. Like she's been trying to uh, log eight hours a day for a work day, you know, because tasks get loaded in. She goes and does the task at her own discretion, but she'll sit here from five in the morning until fucking 10 at night. And she's been getting two and three hours a day the past two weeks. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, that's... So, But, you know, tax time hits soon. Uh, but, you know, regardless, we're much better than we were this time last year, uh, which is a wonderful thing. We have stability, warm. Uh, so, yeah, moving... Uh, the moving actually sucked. I'm still unpacking. I'm still unpacking this room. This room's mostly unpacked. I just need to organize a lot of things now. Uh, that's actually on the agenda for today to organize some things and unpack some things. I got some uh, paint racks that are out for delivery. They'll be here via UPS. They're actually nail polish display racks. They're acrylic and they attach to a wall. And it's like you would see in a nail salon. But they don't take up a lot of space. They're perfect for paint bottles. So I've got, you know, a shitload of paints that I'm going to, I'm going to mount those to the wall today and put the paints up. You know, it should clean off the workbench to where I can finish putting everything else on the pegboard and get my workbench organized. And that'll, you know, the rest of these boxes are pretty much done uh once i do that you know hang a few pictures you know just that kind of thing i want to get that stuff done today while i'm in here because yeah. if i go back into the living room and i fire up my playstation i'll be like i don't want to fucking attempt this dungeon again and fucking <laughs> star ocean the last hope i've put in over 130 hours I'm in one of the game's two secret dungeons right now and I'm really struggling with it because I'm not leveled enough. And it's hard. It's harder than the past Star Ocean games. Well, if that's the case, let's, uh, let's go ahead and move on to uh, to our reviews so we can uh, go like a shit to do today. I have nothing I have to do. That's my goal for the day and I've got all day. Plus, Misty will have to help me, so... You know, I mean, we can still talk about some more of our favorite things. Well, I just looked at how long we've been recording. Is why I said that mainly. 
Oh my. Yep. We've been going an hour. Yep. So we gotta let's get to reviewing. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and move on to Percy Jackson episode four. Um I have a synopsis of Riday. Uh, yes, yeah, episode's titled uh, A Plunge to My Death. <laughs> uh, so we open up with Percy, Annabeth, and Grover continuing west on a train. Uh, they are confronted uh, by uh, an officer on the train and detained because their cabin has been ransacked, and it turns out it was ransacked by a woman who reveals herself as Echidna, and she's training a young chimera that escapes and poisons Percy. Uh, As the train arrives in St. Louis, the trio seek refuge inside the Gateway Arch as it is a monument or a temple to Athena. Percy begins, uh, begins to deteriorate from the poison, so Annabeth decides to bring him to the top of the arch in order to seek help from Athena. Annabeth then learns that Athena was embarrassed after Medusa's head arrived on Olympus and has allowed Echidna and the Chimera to enter the arch. Percy decides to stay behind to allow Grover and Annabeth to escape after an unsuccessful battle with the Chimera. Percy falls from the arch, but he's pulled into the Mississippi River. There he meets a Nerid, who helps him realize that he can breathe underwater. And that's how the episode closes. Very short episode, but a lot happens. Yeah, I <clears> know. <throat> um, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed the episode uh, for what it was. I, I feel like the plot kind of went in one direction. Um, what I mean by that is like in the past episodes, we've had quite a bit with other characters, but this was like, you get a little bit with the, uh, what's his ass? Um, Grover Grover. Thank you. You get a little bit with him, a little bit like of his, of his family's history. You get a little bit with, I can't remember the other characters names for the life of me. Uh, Annabeth, Annabeth with her, her mom, a tiny bit. It's, it's lore, lore at that, at best. Um, and you really don't get a whole lot with Percy other than forward progress in the quest. Um, which is fine. Not every, not every episode has to be like super deep. Sometimes you're just on an adventure running from a chimera. Uh, but, um, yeah, it was it was good. It was fine. I mean, nothing super noteworthy personally. I do love the inclusion of of uh, the uh, St. Louis Ark being a uh, temple. Yeah, the Gateway Arch. Yeah, <clears throat> I'm sure that'll come up in into play uh, and other things. Um, you know, I'm sure other monuments will actually be temples in disguise. Yeah. It's it's clever. But, go ahead. I was like, it's clever how it 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 uh, plays with modern times and like Greek gods and shit. Yeah, yeah. How the inside of the Gateway Arch is a museum and a monument to how the West was won, which is basically a glorified uh, genocide, and uh, 
you know, you can tell it deeply, deeply affected Grover because, you know, the way the wildlife was treated, how the American buffalo was just slaughtered yeah. for sport, for fun, because it was something to do. Oh, let's kill that big bastard. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, yeah. Uh, really enjoyed this episode. Like I said, uh, it moved the plot forward, you know, at a ra- uh, rapid pace, you know, and that was, we got a couple of flashbacks, a couple of little pieces of lore, like you said, but for the most part, this episode's just, let's go. We're, we're heading this way and come on the adventure with us. Yeah, exactly. I, I thought it was really well done. I don't have a whole lot more to say about it. I mean, I'd give it a B plus. Yeah, I think that's where I sit too. It was like it was like A minus or B plus. I think um, short and to the point is fine. I know that next episode is going to be longer. It has to be because uh, guess who finally <clears throat> shows up in the show in, in episode five? Edge. Yep. I mean Aries. <laughs> Adam Copeland, sorry. Oh yeah, don't 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 say Edge. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's fine. It's fine. It it you know I can't wait for next week. Next week's gonna be great. So excited for that because we had a little bit of the ending. Yeah, I don't know what voice or what that thing was talking to Percy that was representing Poseidon, but I'm interested to know the Nereid. Near it. Yeah. How do you spell that? I mean, N-E-R-E-I-D. Mythology. They're just, they're C-nips. They're not any, it's not a particular character. It's Oh, that's fine. I know. Okay. <clears throat> Often accompanied Poseidon, the god of the sea. Okay, cool, 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 cool. They can be friendly to helpful, uh, helpful to sailors like the Argonauts or the Golden Fleece, or in search of the Golden Fleece. Got it. Okay. I fucking love Greek mythology. Greek or Roman mythology is always fascinating to me. So I was like, I was like, what creature is that? Roman mythology is just Greek mythology with different names. Yeah, stories are slightly different. And I say slightly as in they go the same direction. They're just totally a little different. All right, well, now that that's over, Jesus Christ, I spent 30 minutes watching that in the middle of the fucking podcast. Uh, <laughs> yeah, have to edit out about 35 minutes or so. <laughs> um, let's go ahead and talk about the, uh, <coughs> sorry, let's go ahead and talk about the um, the show What If. We've got nine episodes to go through. Yeah, yeah, and I'm going to try to breeze through these as quickly as possible. <clears throat> Um, cause we have been recording for a while now. Yeah. <clears throat> so the first episode is called what if Nebula joined the Nova Corps? Uh, and b- basically we see Nebula after, uh, we see Ronan the accuser successfully, uh, thwarting Thanos. And as a result, Nebula is discarded. And Nova Prime recruits Nebula to join the Nova Corps. Five years later, Xandar is sealed off from the universe to protect itself from Ronan's forces. Uh, 
while it's under lockdown, Nebula discovers Yondu's body and receives orders from Nova Prime to investigate. She learns that Yondu has located the codes to open the planetary shield and enlists the Kree soldier Yon Rog to infiltrate the Nova Corps mainframe to destroy them. Yon Rog betrays her, revealing that he and Nova Prime plan, uh, planned to give up Xandar to Ronan. Uh, Nebula survives an execution by Nova Prime's men, subsequently enlisting casino owner Howard the Duck and his subordinates Groot and Korg to stop Nova Prime. During their fight, Nebula reveals that she revealed or realized Nova Prime's defection when she assigned her mission and altered the code so that the shield would close again as Roman's ship, the Dark Aster, enters Xandar, destroying it and killing Ronan. Nova Prime tries to escape but falls to her death. The shield reopens as Nebula prepares to continue defending Xandar. Uh, fun little detective story. Yeah. <clears throat> I really liked, uh, you know, uh, Howard the Duck. He was fun. Yeah. No, I... I would like to see uh, a further team up with with Howard the Duck and and Korg. I think that'd be really fun. I can take or leave Korg. I'm not a big Korg fan, but you know Howard was cool. I the reason I love Korg is that's basically he sounds like ninety percent of uh, not ninety percent, but there's a specific region in. New Zealand, that um, mm-hmm. what's his name was inspired by that voice, by that way of talking. Uh, like he sounds like Reese Darby. Not quite. Reese has a different way of speaking. Have you have you watched um, uh, Our Flag Means Death on HBO Max? I have not. It's really good. It's it's. Um, it's kind of a fun comedic retelling of of like Blackbeard's final days, um, but uh, at least Darby's in the show. He's like the main character. Oh, okay, cool. But yeah, there's there's a specific way, like the way that Cork talks is exactly how a lot of New Zealanders talk, um, and I didn't believe this at first. Like a lot of people had said it, and then there's a guy on Twitch that I'd watched who's who's from New Zealand. And he talks exactly like Korg. And then I've seen a ton of videos of New Zealanders talking exactly like Korg. Like, to the T. I'm not kidding. Uh, and it's... it's uh, Can't think of the director's name of... Taika Waititi. Taika Waititi. Yeah, Taika Waititi is from New Zealand. And that's why he had Korg talk like that. Because he, he's he's met a lot of people that talk like that. And he was like, that's, that's a funny accent, so... Fucking kiwis. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just I really enjoyed the stuff with Korg and, and Howard the Duck. So, but I know I don't think we're getting any more of that. But that's fine. It was a treat. So I'd give the ep- I'd honestly give the episode a B. Okay, I give it a B plus. Fair enough. Uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. <clears throat> Uh, episode two, what if Peter Quill attacked Earth's mightiest heroes? <clears throat> Set in 1998, the Ravagers take Peter Quill to Ego, who urges him to help his expansion across the universe. Six months later, after ravaging several worlds, Peter Quill returns to Earth. In response, Peggy Carter and Howard Stark recruit Bill Foster, King T'Chaka of Wakanda, the Winter Soldier Bucky Barnes, 
uh, and Dr. Wendy Lawson, a.k.a. Marvell, and a reluctant Hank Pym, who brings his young daughter Hope Van Dyne along with him. After a scuffle on Coney Island, the team detains Quill with the help from Thor. Uh, the team discusses their next move. Van Dyne frees Quill, who travels to Missouri, as T'Chaka, Foster, and Thor aid Carter's forces in holding back Ego. Pym and Lawson encounter Quill visiting his mother's grave. A sympathetic Pym convinces him to stand against his father. Barnes, under the influence of his manipulators, prepares to assassinate Quill until Stark reminds him of his best friend Steve Rogers. As Ego overwhelms the heroes and attempts to obtain his seed, Pym and Quill arrive in time to stop him with the latter using the seed to destroy Ego's avatar. The team, minus Barnes, celebrates their victory before setting out to confront Ego himself. This episode was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed it. It was like, you know, Yondu didn't have the soft spot and decided, eh, fuck it, I'm taking the kid to his dad. And, you know, this is what a, you know, I I, I love these what-if scenarios because it's like, what if this didn't happen in the comics this way? Agreed. However, and I've already told you this, the thing that pisses me off the most about this show is the fucking title episodes. I honestly don't remember being different in the comics, but you know, like the title of the comic is the thing that changed. It's never like, like it's, it's what if Peter Quill attacked them, but earth's mightiest heroes. No, that's not the thing that changed. The thing that changed is what if Yondu gave ego Peter? That's, that's the, what if that's the thing that changed. That's what drives me nuts. And those the what if comics were titled that. There might have been a few that were titled like these episodes, but not 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 more than half of like I've read a sh- what if is one of my favorite fucking series. I promise you. It is not titled that. It is always the the thing that changed the timeline. It's not what if Nebula joined the Nova Corps, it's what if Ronan the Accuser killed Thanos. That's the what if. And then you tell the story that branched off from that. It's a nitpick at best because I like the episodes. I just hate the fucking way they're titled. See, you know, I really don't see much of a difference. Okay, next episode. What if Happy Hogan saved Christmas? Huh? That's not... That's what happened. That's not what changed. What changed is what if Justin Hammer got his revenge? That's the change. No, no, I see what you're saying. I'm just, I'm not letting it. I'm, I'm not letting it bother me. Dude, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't remember the. Here, I'm gonna pull up a a list real quick of what if comic issues. Will you? No, it's fine. Well, while you're doing that, uh, episode three was you know set at Christmas time. What if Happy Hogan saves Christmas? Um, on Christmas Eve, Happy is assigned to oversee security Avengers Tower for an annual annual holiday party uh, until Justin Hammer and his henchmen, uh, Sergey and Rusty, break out of prison and assault the tower for Tony Stark's technology in a sample of Bruce Banner's blood. While attempting to save the blood sample, 
Happy accidentally injects himself with it, causing him to gradually transform into a Hulk-like monster while retaining his intelligence. Uh, with the Avengers busy and Stark's AI Jarvis inactive because of defragging, Hogan contacts Darcy, uh, who tries to find a new AI to reboot the tower systems. However, she is taken hostage by Hammer's group, who hijacks the Iron Legion and Stark's Hulkbuster armor. Once his transformation is complete, Happy destroys the Legion and defe defeats Hammer. While Hammer is taken back into custody, the Avengers return, praise Hogan for his efforts, and resume their Christmas party. Uh, which, you know, had a lot of... Uh, you know, the, the great thing about these is most of the actors are reprising their characters, you know, in voice acting. Yeah. With the exception of, uh, like, Robert Downey Jr. is not Tony Stark. But the guy they've got to do Tony Stark does a great Tony Stark. Yeah. You know, Mick, Mick Winger. It sounds a lot like Tony Stark. It sounds like a lot like Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Uh, they didn't get Scarlett Johansson. They got Lake Bell to do all of her parts. And Josh Keaton has done all of Steve Rogers stuff. And uh, apparently no Vin Diesel for group. They got Fred, Fred Tetsuri. 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 Okay. He does, he's done the Hulk. He's done. Um, yeah. The uh, he's, uh, he's. Iconic voice actor. I'm. He's. Yeah. I met him one time at Comic Con. That's awesome. With, uh, did you ask him? Did you? Did you whisper into his ear that he was responsible for your childhood? Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> no, he did sign a thing that I still have because Nolan North and um, and Steve Bloom had signed the front of this poster that had Wolverine and who the fuck was Nolan North voicing? Was it Deadpool? Yes, sorry, yes, thank you, yeah. He used to be voice Deadpool. And uh, and then they were like, hey, why don't you go talk to the guy over there? He did he did uh, Hulk. And I was like, oh, I planned on it, but that's cool he did Hulk. I didn't know that at the time. And uh, so I go over there, and I was like, I was like, yeah, they tell me you voiced Hulk. He's like, yeah. And so I kind of mentioned a few other voices he had done at that point. And he was like, oh, so you know what we do? I was like, oh, absolutely, big fan of voice actors. And he goes, cool. So he turns the entire poster over and ham, ham fists the fucking – the pen and just writes Hulk smash on the back. That's badass. Um, so this episode of the, ha I'd, I'd give a solid a minus. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was funny and, and kind of adorable and it was just a good, it was a good romp. It was definitely a romp. Uh, you know, uh, star studded, you know, you had Sam Rockwell, Kobe Smulders, Kat Dennings, John Favreau, Hemsworth, Ruffalo, Jeremy Renner. Uh, you know, uh, it, was, it was fun. It was fun. I'd give it a B. Okay, before we move on to episode four, I just want to give a few titles here and, like, what happens in those what-if comics. What if Spider-Man had joined the Fantastic Four? It starts with him joining the Fantastic Four. What if Hulk had the brain of Bruce Banner? It literally him transforming into the Hulk and being Bruce Banner is the opening of the goddamn comic. What if the Avengers had never been? It just shows a world if the Avengers had never come together as a team. What if the what if the invaders had stayed together after World War II? 
it shows them being the new Avengers. Do you see my point? The comic starts with the question. I mean, again, you know, it's it's a. I know it doesn't. It's, bother I, you, I see where you're. And it shouldn't it, bother me. No, it doesn't. It doesn't bother me at all, and it's so minuscule. I'm not saying it's not that but it, it fucking bugs the shit out of me. <laughs> no, no, I get it. I, hey, I've got my weird hangups too. Where we've discussed. <laughs> I just, uh, the question should be the thing that changed. Anyway, well, episode four is what if Iron Man crashed into the Grandmaster? What does that mean? He crashed onto Sakaar. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Oh, my. <laughs> In 2012, Tony Stark saves Earth from the Chitauri by redire- uh, saves New York from the Chitauri by directing a nuclear missile towards their mothership. However, the wormhole he used uh, closes before he can return to Earth, causing him to crash land on Sakaar, where he is forced to stay by its ruler, the Grandmaster. Stark interferes in a death race to save one of the racers, Korg, and encounters Gamora, who was sent by Thanos to kill Stark for stopping the Chitauri before the Grandmaster's chief enforcer, Topaz, imprisoned the pair. Upon learning Gamora's purpose and vowing to stop the Grandmaster, Stark escapes, recruits Korg and Valkyrie, builds a new Iron Man suit, and challenges the Grandmaster to a race for the title of Sakaar's ruler. Though the Grandmaster tries to cheat, Stark ultimately wins, while Valkyrie, Valkyrie deals Topaz, defeats Topaz and incapacitates the Grandmaster. As Valkyrie is now crowned King of Sakaar, Stark convinces Gamora to forge her own path before joining her and leaving to confront and kill Thanos. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed uh, Death Race Sakaar. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, a minus. Hey, yeah, and we got some fun. We got some fun. Jeff Goldblum, uh, you know, Tessa Thompson reprised her role as Valkyrie. Mortaka as uh, Korg. Oh, uh, Josh Brolin briefly uh, as Thanos, but no Zoe Saldana as Gamora. It was Cynthia McWilliams. Yeah. Uh, it, was a, it was a fun episode. Uh, better than Thor Ragnarok, uh, but. Wow. Hot, hot. <clears throat> Sorry, I don't like that movie. I know you don't. But to say this is really better than Thor Ragnarok is a wild, <laughs> hot take. Yeah, and I'll give this episode a B. <laughs> right, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I, I, honestly, uh, episode five. Go I ahead. Was say, honestly, it was just straight up fucking Death Race Sakaar edition. Like, that's genuinely what it fucking was. Which I'm okay with. I just wanted to point that out. Like, if you've ever seen the movie Death Race, either of them. I haven't, actually. Neither one. I saw the original with uh, uh, the guy that was, I can't think it was. David Carradine. David Carradine, yeah. Back, like, Death Race 2000 is what that's called. And I saw that back in TFO days. And uh, um, I still like that one more than the new one, just because I find the plot to be more entertaining. Within the Jason uh, Statham one. Well, that's your problem. Any movie involving Jason Statham and plot, those words don't go together. I mean, there is a plot. I didn't say it was a deep, thought-provoking plot. No, no. No, he doesn't do those. 
I don't expect him to either. Uh, let's see. Episode five. What if Captain Carter fought the Hydra Stomper? Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm low key enjoying this. <laughs> it's closer to what it needs to be, but it's still not. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I really am. All right. Uh, Captain Carter and Black Widow find Steve Rogers inside the Hydra Stomper armor aboard the Lemurian Star, but he attacks them. After a briefing with Nick Fury, uh, Romanoff deduces that Rogers, who went missing in 1953, was captured and brainwashed by the Red Room. Carter and Romanoff help Barack Rumlow protect Bucky Barnes, uh, who is now Secretary of State, was he? Uh, you know, I wasn't paying that close attention. I thought he was president. <laughs> oh, no, he was like Secretary of State. <laughs> uh, they protect Bucky from uh, Rogers before incapac- in- incapacitating him and traveling to a secret hideout in Scotland where they learn that the suit is keeping Rogers alive, though each activation reduces his chance of survival. Rogers offers the... Uh, shit. Rogers offers to help Carter dismantle the Red Room in hopes of finding a cure before escorting her and Romanoff to a former KGB site. However, the group's ambushed by drones and Black Widow assassins controlled by the Red Room's leader, Melina Vostikov, who reactivates Rogers' brainwashing. While Romanov holds off Vostikov's forces, Carter reaches out to Rogers, who sacrifices himself to destroy the Red Room. Amidst this, Romanov uses her grappling hook to tie Vostikov to Rogers' suit, killing her in the resulting explosion. As Carter tries to find Rogers, a portal suddenly takes her to a Renaissance-themed universe where she encounters uh, its variants of Nick Fury and Wanda Maximoff, which, you know, comes into play later. Uh, Really fun. Uh, I like how, you know, you know, they took on the Red Room. Uh, I don't think it was a great episode. It wasn't as fun as, say, you know, some of the prior ones, but it wasn't a bad episode. But I'd, I'd give it a B. Oh, yeah, I agree with you on, on the uh, it being a fine episode. Like, it was, it served a purpose. I, I, like, I think one of the things, it's a small gripe with, with what if. Smaller gripe than my gripe with the fucking title. Um, they really, really, really want fucking Captain Carter to be the main character of this entire series. And it bothers me a little bit because I'm like, can it just be an anthology show? Does it Does it have to evolve around characters that have been established in other episodes? You know what I mean? Like, I get it. I get it. But I'm also like, it doesn't have to be this. No, I understand completely. It makes you wonder if they have plans for her as Captain Carter in live action beyond what they did in Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness. I was like, yeah, it's entirely fucking possible, which it's funny, too, because I've seen people be confused about if this is the Captain Carter from that. And I'm like, y'all need to understand the concept of a multiverse before you can ask that fucking question. Yeah, yeah. Infinite realities means infinite fucking Captain Carters in different realities. 
Yeah, it's not like there's just one. But yeah, it was fine. It was fine. I, I you know, the, got a beginning, a middle, and an end, and had enjoyable fight scenes. So got a solid B plus for me. Episode six: What if Kahori reshaped the world? Uh, we see uh, it opens up with a Searcher destroying Asgard during Ragnarok. As a result, the Tesseract crash lands in a lake. What the fuck? How do I say that? Is it one of those... Uh... I don't know. Haudenosaunee Confederacy? It's Native American it's, uh, tribal yeah, name. Uh... Haudenosaunee? Yeah, because she's... And if I'm mispronouncing that, I apologize to anybody out there that is offended by my pronunciation. It's hard to pronounce. Uh, Mohawk. That's what they are. They're the Mohawk people. So it's a Mohawkian word. Well, I haven't gotten that far, but, you know, it's... Well, that's what I was trying to remember. I was trying to remember the... Pre-colonial America. I was trying to remember the tribe. Uh, I'm sure that's what I was trying to remember, but... Yeah, yeah. Uh, basically, the Tesseract crash, ran, crash lands in that lake in a pre-colonial America, giving it magical properties. After numerous tribes, people disappear while interacting with it. It becomes known as the Forbidden Lake. In the late 15th century, a young Mohawk uh, pair of siblings, Kohori and Wahata, uh, or is it Wata? Wata, yeah. They're hunted by Spanish conquistadors who ransack their village in search of the Fountain of Youth. While hiding inside a cave, Wata is captured and Kahori is shot, causing her to fall into the Forbidden Lake, which teleports her to another dimension where she's nursed back to health by her fellow Mohawk people. A villager named uh, Atarax explains that the missing tribes people were teleported to the sky world where they gained powers and immortality but were but were unable to return home as kohori familiarizes herself with newfound powers the conquistadors enter the lake believing it to be the fountain and invade the sky world Kahori stops them and forces the portal from the sky to the ground and returns home. She and the villagers defeat the conquistadors, rescue her people, and later force Queen Isabella to make peace. Soon after, Doctor Strange Supreme emerges from a separate portal and approaches Kahori. This was a straight-up A-plus episode to me. I thoroughly Yeah, this episode was fucking solid. Yeah, the, the literally only thing that I think can demerit points from it is... So, uh, Strange Supreme showing up at the end. It's the only thing that demerits points for me. I, and the only reason I say that is because I really enjoyed Kahori. I loved her character, but like taking her out of this cool universe that you've created, I think is a hindrance more than an enhancement. You know, I see why they did it. Me too. Um, I don't necessarily agree that it's a hindrance. But, you know, I definitely would like to see more of that world. But, you know, uh, it is absolutely an A-plus episode. It was fucking phenomenal. Unlike the next episode, <laughs> which I hated. Hated's a strong word. Well, yeah, hated is a strong word. I didn't like it very much. Uh, but it's called What If Hella Found the Ten it's Rings. It's the weakest of the season by a fucking country mile. It is absolutely the weakest episode of the season. 
All right. Growing wary of Hela's bloodlust in the Nine Realms, Odin banishes her to Earth and strips her powers and destroys Molnir uh, and places an enchantment on her crown. Hela lands in medieval China and is confronted by the armies of uh, Zhu Wenwu. She attempts to retrieve the crown but fails. Wenwu keeps Hela alive and tries to recruit her to his army, but she escapes after failing to steal his ten rings. She's guided by uh she's guided to the realm of Talo, where she convinces their leader, Jai, to let her join their cause. Jai teaches Hela martial arts after she recognizes her true desire for freedom from control. After Heimdall reports his failure to locate Hela, Odin visits Earth to battle Wenwu in retaliation. It's okay to stop. Hela joins. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Let's see. Hela joins Wenwu in fighting against Odin, ultimately winning and regaining her worthiness to wield her crown. Odin recognizes Hela's growth and submits Asgard's throne to her. Hela unites the armies of Asgard and Wenwu's Ten Rings organization and embarks on a journey to ensure freedom freedom across the Nine Realms and beyond, coming to the rescue of Gamora's people as Thanos attacks them. Uh... You know, we see Kate Blanchett reprising her role as Hella. She does a fine job. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, Edris Elba was Heimdall. Can't go wrong there. Uh, we didn't get Anthony Hopkins as Odin, though. I mean, I, whatever. It's okay. He was busy making that piece of shit Rebel Moon. <laughs> Forgot he's in that. He's Jimmy. Yeah, well, uh uh, the last episode eight and episode nine basically is a two-parter. Well, we um, rate fucking seven. Oh yeah, I, I give this a C minus. It wasn't that good. C is what I was going to get with. Okay. So yeah. Okay, go ahead. So back in the day, Neil Gaiman, I think. Was it Neil Gaiman that wrote 1602? It was, wasn't it? Uh, hold on. Marvel 1602. <laughs> Fuck my butthole. Um, no. I hit the wrong button. Yeah, it was Neil Gaiman. I thought it was. It was really good, but, you know, it came out in, like, 2003, 2004, 2005, somewhere in there. Uh, so... Where's the date of when it came out? 2003, 2004, yeah. Eight yeah, so it's been, it's literally been 20 years since I read it. However, this is not based on that 1602. But this is what if, what if the Avengers assembled in 1602? <clears throat> So after arriving in a Renaissance-themed universe, Captain Carter agrees to help Wanda Merlin and Sir Nicholas Fury stop an impending incursion. She saves Prince Loki from being pulled into a tear in space-time, but fails to save Queen Hela and is hunted by Sir Harold the Happy uh, under the new king Thor uh, under his orders. 
Uh, Carter learns the incursion is incur- is occurring due to the presence of the forerunner, another time displaced individual, and indicate and locates. Sorry, I'm trying to say individual and locates. Almost said indicates. Uh, locates Tony Stark, who can make a device to identify the forerunner using the time stone in Thor's scepter. He points her towards outlaws Steve Rogers, Bucky Barnes, and Scott Lang to help steal it. Carter finds the group, but they're ambushed by Hogan. Carter gives herself up before freeing herself in a masked Bruce Banner. They meet with the Star- they meet with Stark and join Rogers' group in infiltrating Thor's court. With Wanda's help, the group retrieves the time stone for Stark's device, which identifies Rogers as the forerunner who had inadvertently created the temporal anomaly while battling Thanos. Carter bids farewell to Rogers and returns him to his universe, preventing the incursion before she is met by Strange Supreme. This episode was a lot of fun. I loved it. I fucking loved it. It was fucking fantastic. Fucking uh, Robin Rogers was a great idea. Mm-hmm. Rogers Hood. Rogers Hood. I was like, I know I said that wrong, but you got it. Rogers Hood and his band of merry men, you know, Scott Lang and Bucky. Uh, it was too fun. It was... It was a lot of fun. And after the previous episode, I was just like, God, please let this one be better. And it was fantastic. A plus. Yeah, I agree. It was. Which ties in directly to episode nine. What if Strange Supreme intervened? Uh, Strange Supreme takes Captain Carter to his Sanctum Infinitum where he reveals that he has been capturing universe killers to atone for his sins and asks for help in capturing an escaped variant who fled to a universe where Hydra used the Tesseract to destroy the world. Carter agrees and encounters Kahori, who reveals that Strange had been capturing variants to feed to the Forge, a contraption that he had built to resurrect his lost universe. As Strange attempts to kill Kahori, Carter freezes captives, allowing her and Kahori to escape. Amidst the chaos, the pair encounter the Black Panther Killmonger, who Kahori separates from his armor, allowing Carter to use it. While the pair battle Strange at the forge, the variants lend their weapons to Carter while Kahori sends them home. Strange is taken over by his demonic self though Carter separates them. As the forge collapses, Strange sacrifices himself and his counterpart to to it. The Watcher returns Kahori home and brings Carter to Strange's restored universe, revealing he succeeded in resurrecting Christine Palmer, though he can never be reborn into it. Carter asks the Watcher to show her the multiverse before taking her home. Uh, Really cool episode. Yeah, a lot of fun. I know that I said earlier when we were talking about it that like why can the show just be an anthology series? It doesn't mean I don't enjoy this like episode. Um, I still think it needs to be an anthology series and not this team up stuff. But this was it was a blast to see all these different versions of characters that had gotten broken out and re- and sent back to their universes eventually. But yeah, yeah, super fucking fun. Um, no, no, you know, it was another well-done episode. I don't think it was as strong as the episode before, but, you know, it was still A-worthy. Yeah, I was going to give it an A. It was after watching this episode, I texted you, 
in all caps, I fucking love the multiverse stories or multiverse style stories. Oh, okay. That's what prompted that. I assumed that it was, but I didn't want to, you know, get that conversation going because I figured, you know, we would be having this conversation now. Yeah. I just like the multiverse to me is so, it's just so much fucking fun. You get so many different ideas. You can go and do whatever the fuck you want. I've talked about it on this podcast a fucking hundred times because we've talked about so many multiverse style things. You aren't limited in a multiverse story. You aren't, period. Other stories, you have to confine your story within the setting that you've built. You have to consist it within the rules that were built when you started telling the story. The multiverse doesn't have those limitations. It just doesn't. And so to me, you can do whatever the fuck you want. Will the story be good? That depends on, you know, the reader reading it or whatever. But at the end of the day, it can be the most creative thing you've ever done. Which is, I think, a little bit of a reason why Captain Carter and Supreme Strange being in this are a little bit of a bother to me. But I did. Like, that's why I get excited for multiverse stuff. You know, I'm, 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 I'm like, when it's done well, I enjoy it. When it's done poorly, I'm like, oh, why'd they go that route? You know what I mean? I get, well, that's, you know, I can take it or leave it. I'm, I don't get as excited about multiverse stuff, but I don't hate multiverse stuff. I really enjoy it when it's done well. And like this overall, eight out of the fucking nine episodes were done well. Well, that's, I think when you say things like that, it always kind of makes me laugh a little bit because that phrase of I really enjoy this genre as long as it's done well goes with anything. No, no, I realize that. I realize that 100%. Uh, but yeah, uh, it seems that, um, most multiversal stuff is very hit or miss. Uh, sure. As with any story, arguably, I mean, we've gotten a lot of really good multiverse stuff in the past few years. You got everything everywhere all at once, the Spider-Verse movies, um, you know, what if's been fun. Loki's been great. As a as a longtime multiverse style story enjoyer, it's been solid for a while now. That's not to say that I haven't, you know, experienced garbage multiverse stories, but Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, uh, you know, check it out. Check out What If. It's it's a lot of fun. Uh, The Hell episode, not so much, but everything else was pretty fun. It's just a little bit weaker. Anyway, well, guys, that's going to do it for Yeah, it wasn't bad. It was just the weakest of the season. Yeah. You know, it was the only one that we gave a C to and we gave everything else, you know, B, A. Right. Um, And they're short short episodes, like 20 minutes apiece, so. Go enjoy it. 25 to 30. Oh, well, maybe I was enjoying it that much. I think, I think I watched it all about four and a half hours, four, four and a half hours overall. I was like, I watched each episode every day as they came out. I watched it yesterday morning first thing. I was just <laughs> like, let's lock this out before lunch. And I did. Fair enough. Um, mm-hmm. 
Well, guys, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about uh, episode five of Percy Jackson, which I will remember to watch. And um, all of Echo, which is a brand new show that's kind of a spinoff from where she introduced in um, uh, Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. She was introduced in Hawkeye that saw the return of the Kingpin. And this is going to have Daredevil and the Kingpin in it and more of Echo, which I thought was a very amusing, intriguing character because, you know, hey, she's a right leg, lower limb amputee girl named Maya. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. Yeah. That's cool. Just just make yourself deaf and you'll be just like her. No, I got to be able to hear because if I couldn't hear things, what would I complain about? <laughs> um, so yeah, those two things. Uh, follow us on social media is listed down below. That's where you'll know when new episodes have come out. If you want to support us directly, our Teespring store has loads of cool merch. If you made it this far on the podcast, uh, you get a special discount code. It's AQU15 for 15% off your purchase. Just put that at the um, discount code at the at the uh, end. Check out. There we go. That's yeah, yeah, it's a checkout. Uh, and that's it for my notes. Myra, where can folks find you? You can find me on Facebook under my name, Maya Dawn Fisher. It's a public profile. Give me a follow. Send me a message. I like to shoot shit. Enjoy talking to people. Just don't be creepy. Where can people find you, Greg? Uh, Chub Rock Geek on all social medias. I'm not uploading any Baldur's Gate 3 content on my um, Instagram like I have other games because I've been having an issue with that game and streaming it. Like it causes audio issues or the game crashes for one of us constantly. So I'm just, it's not getting streamed. I might just upload a clip or two of something that happened that's funny, but it won't have voices. So there you go. Um, But uh, if that's something you're interested, go check that out. That's on Instagram. Uh, Again, guys, next week, episode five of Percy Jackson, all of uh, Echo, which is five episodes. Um, It's going to be a hell of a Tuesday. Uh, And that's it. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Take care, everybody.